Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to the Osmo Early Bird Podcast. It's your old pal Emac coming to you with Greg Ehrenberg as we get ready for a so happy it's Thursday MLB slate. We've got early baseball, we've got afternoon baseball, we've got main slate baseball, we have the NHL, we have the NBA, and oh yes, we have the NFL. Thursday night football coming at you in full effect. When was the last time all major, all four major sports played on a Thursday? Oh, I have no clue. I don't. I. I I'm not good at like dates and thinking of things in those terms. <laughs> well, I would have said a you know any day, but they just did on Sunday, so it's not. It's not like there's anything too crazy about it. But yeah, this is this is wall to wall sports. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. Uh, we are brought to you by Yahoo. Reminder. Oh. I buried the lead. Is it the U.S. Open this weekend? It's uh, one of the majors. I've lost track of which order they're putting them in, but if you're into golf, uh, use the promo code BOGEY, B-O-G-E-Y. That gets you half off any one-week golf package, and there's only one-week golf package. But that gets you, uh, for $4.50, you get seven days of access to all the golf content. Why is that important? Well, by the time, um, if you're someone that plays over on DraftKings, if you play the four single game slates, the four second half single game uh, slates, and the weekend slate and the full uh, tournament slate, that's 10 slates. That's 45 cents a slate. It's a steal no matter how you slice it. Check it out. Promo code BOGEY gets you projections for all those sub slates. Plus, we do have uh, obviously the ownership, but we also have articles for each of those single game slates, which is something that's very helpful. I had asked you, Greg, on the, the show um, earlier tonight on Wednesday when we were watching this, if you had done any golf and you had said you kind of ran out of time. I sort of did as well. However, I've been playing the single game contest because basically I just read our article, use that as my player pool, make a few lineups, and I've been fortunate fortunate enough to cash more often than not. I just put them in some single entry stuff and some 50-50s and just have fun with it. So it gives you a little something to look at at the end of the night but there we are definitely want to check that out we're going to talk um the sites are kind of flipping everything around with regards to who's in which uh game slate and the early slate and the afternoon slate so we're just going to talk the matchups here a reminder that there is a double header it is going to look like it's the evening game is in tampa bay between the orioles and the rays that is actually going to be played in Camden Yards. It's the makeup of a postponed game. However, uh, Tampa Bay will be listed as the home team. 
Jumping on in here, our first matchup, we've got Nate Eovaldi going against Jose Urena. Urena's been, hmm, I don't know, an adequate pitcher, I guess is what we say, but he is 5,900 here. Uh, which which site do I? Oh, that's a FanDuel price. Uh, DK, yeah. he's 6,200. So on the DK uh, early slate, we have two games, which is why that's kind of important. We also have Kenta Maeda at 9,500 and Nate Eovaldi with his amazingly straight and super fast fastball at 7,000. Still waiting to see who is up there for the White Sox. What do you like amongst the uh, 1 and 2 o'clock games? Yeah, well, I mean, first, talking about it on uh, DraftKings, th- there's very few options to consider. It's a two-game slate, right? So, I mean, there's there's four pitchers. We kind of have to consider all of them. Just just for the sake of comparing pitchers, I'm going to look more at FanDuel as we talk about these early games because they have uh, four pitch, uh, four games, so there's eight pitchers to talk about and compare. Uh, I think Ivaldi makes a little bit of sense on FanDuel just because, I mean, 7900 pretty cheap price tag, that and pretty strong matchup against the Marlins. Uh, I definitely prefer prefer him to Urania just because I don't really think Urania is particularly good, even though the matchup against the Red Sox isn't necessarily terrible. I mean, the Red Sox uh, right in the middle of the road, 100 WRC plus against right-handed pitching. But uh, still, I mean, we look at the the Marlins. I think that there's reasons to target against him with pitchers. And the other thing with Ivaldi is because he has such good stuff, there are times that he does just randomly get a bunch of strikeouts and the Marlins do a 25.5% strikeout rating against right-handed pitching. So I look at that and I think that at his price tag, you have all these uh, decent pitching options on FanDuel. All right. Yeah, this is just, I got, there's nothing crazy yet. Oh, it might be, here we go. There we go. It looks like it might be Dallas Cockle coming off the injured list. Uh, yeah. He has been dealing with a sore back. He has not pitched in 10 days. So he this will be the first day he is eligible to come back. Uh, he went 49 innings. 49 innings. That'd be one hell of a showing. <laughs> 49 pitches against Kansas City. Prior to that, he had gone 85, 97, 114, 93, 92, 97, 92. So his price is up there. I'll probably assume he's going to go 70 or so pitches. That feels about right. Uh, so nothing overly exciting there. Tough matchup against Minnesota as a lefty. Um, anything else you want to hit on from these earlier pitchers? Yeah, so I mean, it's it's hard to really know what to do with Keiko just because it's so far ahead of time. We don't know what his pitch count looks like. Like you said, he's coming off the injured list. Uh, I mean, it's such a small slate that you can't, to- especially on DraftKings, you can't totally cross Keiko out unless we were to find out that he's throwing, you know, like 40 to 50 pitches. Mm-hmm. Which, which is possible. We just don't know this far in advance. Uh, but I'd be, I'd be wary of that. Uh, the other thing also is the Twins, I think, kind of by default make for my favorite stack here. They do have a bunch of guys that hit left-handed pitching well. And even though Keiko usually does well to limit the damage, I'm, I'm always interested in targeting guys coming off of the injured list. Um, I guess something to compare it to is uh, even though they didn't necessarily crush Cole Hamels today, the Orioles, I mean, they scored three runs off Cole Hamels in three innings today. And the reason I had some interest in them as a stack was just because it was like, hey, Cole Hamels hasn't pitched in a very long time. You don't know what to expect from coming off the injured list. Not quite that long of a layoff for Dallas Keuchel, but always a situation where a pitcher coming off the, the injured list, I want to get exposure to the offense. Yeah, and the interesting thing about that one, I happened to be watching, I'd mentioned to you, I watched a little bit of that. The Hamels, was, it was, seemed like he was taking his time between pitches. 
Because that was something where it just, it seemed more like he was walking a little bit around on the mound, kind of gathering himself. Didn't look like he was hurt or anything, but we got to remember, this is first game action for him. He'd done a few simulated things in the alternate training site, but it was just kind of interesting to see him pacing himself. And and that was something that we pointed out that even the Braves have said, hey, we're just going to work him along because, you know, he's going to be in our, in the cards for the postseason here, but we, we want to get him going. But it was just kind of funny. Uh, watching him, it was like the exact opposite of. Oh, and now I'm gonna blank on his name. Um, not Bueller. Oh, that's gonna drive me crazy. The White Sox pitcher who used to always work really quick. Left. Mark Burley. Mark Burley. Thank you. God, Bueller. Bueller. Anyone? Yeah, me for not remembering Mark Burley. Hey, finishing our thoughts. Another guy with a, a no hitter. That's been the trend of that is true today. So uh, Mark Mark Burley had. Uh... Had, had a perfect two. game. Had a perfect game, yeah. You know, there was and only 26 perfect games ever. Or 23. 26 or 23, something like that. Yeah, he had – somebody made a really ridiculous catch at the wall in that game. I can't remember. We're really dating ourselves here. That, that, was, a, that was a while ago. It was long ago enough that not only is Mark, Earl, Mark Burley not pitching in the big leagues anymore, there was a really long stretch where he wasn't good anymore. So we're, we're like – it's like three generations of Mark Burley's ago. <laughs> yes, that was before DFS was a thing. That I can confirm. Uh, let's see here. Looking at, we've got, oh, where is it? We, let's look at Baltimore because they're on some of the slates. So Blake Snell is where it gets really interesting. Um, DK does have a three-game uh, slate where they are taking all three four o'clock games. FanDuel isn't including this one, but it's the game one of a doubleheader, so it's going to be a seven-inning game. Blake Snell is starting. The reason I want to point that out is we've seen a couple pitchers get the complete game shutout in seven inning games so that's an extra bonus there on dk and the other thing about uh DraftKings for this one it's where they're doing their one pitcher two infielders two outfielders two utility format so if i was playing that one my top choice would be blake snell my second choice would be tyler anderson the mariners have been horrible against lefties this season and then after that i would probably roll the dice with griffin canning so there's how I would I would rank those guys. Nick um Margavicious Mar- uh, sorry, Margavicious has been better than he was when he was with uh the Padres, but he has still been pretty shaky for the Mariners. That's yeah, it. I mean he, he has a five point three four ERA this year. So it's as bad as he was last year, it's not saying all that much to say he's pitching better this year. Uh the other thing I'll add with that weird short game which Frank, I've, I haven't played any of the the short game format that they I hand build one lineup on most of their slides. okay <laughs> uh, at, at, at the time we're talking about it they don't have pricing up for it so that also adds another wrinkle in terms of I don't really know who I like that much other than saying on paper if all the prices were to be what I think they should be Blake Snow would still be the top play he's uh by far the best pitcher on the slate uh as you know, I generally like to go to the expensive pitchers, and it works out unless they're Jacob Degrom. They get injured in the second inning. Uh, but in in general, it is it it is a strategy I like to employ. All right, now we're headed to the main slate here. We've got a six gamer. So the fun thing about this is all the games except for one go off between seven oh five and seven ten. We have a true late night hammer, and oh, what a late night hammer it is going to be, Coors Field. We have a couple southpaws there that we'll talk about. Hey, let's start with the dessert first. Why not? Julio Urias going against Kyle Freeland. This one is going to be exciting because Coors Field is involved. 
Breland uh, has struggled a little bit at home this season. Well, he struggled everywhere, but at home. And I do want to point that out because the two seasons heading into this, he's actually a functional pitcher at home, which is kind of interesting. He and Heron Marquez and Antonio Senzatella do reasonable job there uh, relying on the ground balls. And the poorest the field sort of um, inflates the ERA for them just a little bit because their home run rates are up, but they get, uh, if you look at their XFIP, they're actually, you know, in that, all of them are in that 4.5, 4.6 range, which is pretty good considering they're pitching in Coors Field. So just want to point that out, but it's the Dodgers, plenty of righties to choose from. And then Urias on the other side here, uh, he does have to go into the teeth of, uh, what is it, uh, Story and Arenado, who both over the, since the beginning of the 2018 season have well over 300 isolated powers each against uh, lefties. Urias has gone, what, 96 pitches in his last outing? Prior to that, 75, 78, 79. We know that last year and the year before, they kind of used him a little bit as a starter, kind of as a reliever. They're bringing him along slowly. He's their next Clayton Kershaw. Um, the point I, I just want to bring up there is it's he's not quite the dominant guy and I could see them yank him relatively quickly at the first sign of trouble. He has gone, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four of his nine starts have been less than five innings. Like he hasn't even gotten it, it even close to finishing the fifth inning there. So like 4.1, 1.2, 4.1, uh, et cetera. So it'll be interesting to see how long he lasts. What do you want to do with these guys? Uh, do we look at them for differentiation? In Urias's case, do we go heavy on the Dodgers against Freeland? What do you want to do? We're going. It's Bizarro Day. We're going backwards. <laughs> yeah. So, so a couple of things. First, uh, I, I would have a little bit of interest in Urias if it wasn't for his price tag. If he was really priced down for pitching at Coors Field, then I'd find him interesting. But at eighty six hundred, it's really hard for me to justify playing him at Coors. There are a couple of expensive pitchers on the slate that we're going to talk about in a little bit: Aaron Nola and Shane Bieber, who are both such good pitchers that it's hard for me to justify rostering Urias over them when the price difference isn't that significant, right? I mean, Aaron Nola is 10,100, Bieber's 10,900. If Urias is priced in like the Kyle Freeland range, which we see from a lot of decent pitchers at Coors Field sometimes where they're, you know, in the 6,000 or 7,000 range, then I consider him uh, where he's at that's that's too high. Uh, at the same point, he's good enough where I'm not really all that interested in the Rockies. You mentioned the two guys that I think are okay one-off plays. That is Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story. Both of them hit left-handed pitching so well particularly Coors Field, that, that I think they both have home run upside and they're decent options. As for Kyle, Kyle Freeland, uh, like you said, he, he did start his career fairly well at Coors Field. He managed to limit the damage, then really dropped off a cliff last year. So, I mean, we look at 2018, we had a 2.85 ERA overall. Then last year, he had a 6.73 ERA and couldn't really get anybody out. This year, he's in between those two outcomes. Uh, as a guy who pitches to contact, I just don't buy him being somebody who could have long-term sustainable success at Coors Field. Even if he is a heavier ground ball pitcher, just pitching to contact at Coors Field, I, I don't think is a, a great way to find success. All right. Thank you for reminding me of that. That So it was it was 17 and 18 that he did well. Last year in 19, lest we forget, he got sent down to the minor leagues, made six starts because he was so bad. They banished him to the minors. He had a, going off memory, a 6.88 ERA in those starts down in the minors. And they're oh. like, oh, you can't do any worse. Come on back, friend. We're coming for bringing you back up to the show. It's, it's worse than you remember. He had an 8.88 ERA in six oh, starts geez. with the minors. So I, I, I don't really know what could have happened from this year to last year. 
that would make him so much different. He's throwing harder this year. Um, I had it up. Yeah. So he's, he has a career high fastball velocity, 92.3 miles per hour. So that's a little bit of an uptick, uh, but still, I mean, 91.9 last year. So it's not like it's that crazy. One thing he does look actually a little bit different now that I'm looking at his pitch mix. Uh, he's using his fastball much less this year and he's using his slider a lot more. So throughout his entire career, he was always somebody who used his fastball over 50% of the time. This year he's only using his fastball 33% of the time. First three years of his career, he used his slider 5% of the time. This year he's using it 24% of the time. So that appears to be the adjustment that, uh, that, that Freeland's made is, uh, using the fastball less, using the slider more. It does appear to be a little bit more successful, but still, I mean, he's only delivering okay results and it's course field and it's the Dodgers who are great against all pitchers. So it, it's hard to not consider the Dodgers, the, the top stack on this slate. Obviously, pricing is going to be a little bit of an issue, but just in terms of raw run uh, projection. All right. Well, let's continue going backwards here. We've got uh, Texas at Houston. Fran Valdez going for Houston. He is 9,200. Now, before we say, oh, my God, that's way too expensive, we would, we, we would be remiss if we did not point out that the Rangers have a, currently a 62 WRC plus uh, against lefties this season. That is weighted, weighted runs created plus, which essentially is an advanced metric that neutralizes ballpark factors, creating a league-wide scoring efficiency baseline of 100. So that means they are scoring slash creating runs 38% less than the average team. Wow, that is pretty pathetic. So that uh, puts even at 9,200 Framber Valdez in the mix. On the other side, you've got Jordan Lyles. Uh, is he going to bring Coors to Houston, the former Coor, the former Rockies pitcher, Jordan Lyles? Uh, so I'll start with Valdez. I do agree that he's a, an okay option on this slate. <clears throat> uh, I prefer Bieber to him because it's it's hard to not love Bieber every single start that he goes, uh, especially when he's pitching against the Tigers. Uh, but Valdez, like you said, favorable matchup against the Rangers. Valdez also pitched pretty well this year, um, especially from a fantasy perspective averaging 17.7 DraftKings points, strikes out a hitter per inning. The other thing, too, the 4.08 ERA, he's actually been pretty unlucky to have that number. He's a 314 BABIP and a 65% strand rate. So we would expect the BABIP to be closer to 300, the strand rate closer to 70%. So when you put those together, and that's why he has a 3.34 FIP, a 3.33 XFIP. So I look at Valdez, somebody who's been a little bit unlucky, really favorable matchup, decent strikeout upside. I think that he is a uh, for sure viable play in that mid-range. I can't believe this is Jordan Lyle's 10th season. It certainly doesn't feel also. It feels like he starts four times a week this year. I I, I can't remember. It feels like I'm always talking about Jordan Lyle's and uh, he's been very bad this year. Jordan Lyle's almost walking as many hitters as he's striking out. Not a very good combination. We have a career low strikeout rate and a career high walk rate. So he's striking out 5.7 hitters per nine and walking 4.22. And the price tag for him isn't even that cheap. Like he should be um, 6,600, even though it's a cheap price. I still look at his numbers this year. And that's like, that's a guy who should be like 5,000, right? A, a guy who has a 7.80 RA and is walking as many hitters as he's striking out with a 15% home run to fly ball rate. It, it's rare that you see somebody with a 6,600 price tag and you confidently say he's overpriced, but that's kind of the situation we have here. So I, I like the Astros side of the game. Astros, some of them still remain a little bit underpriced like we saw for the uh, Wednesday night slate. Not that it matters because they're not hitting anyway. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your price tag is when you don't put any runs on the board, but Yuli Gurriel, 4,000. Jose Altuve remains 3,600. 
Uh, Bregman, 5,100, so that's a bit normalized. But Michael Brantley, who we talked about yesterday, still only 3,500. So whatever reason, the pricing algorithm looked at Michael Brantley like, screw this guy. We don't care that he's having a career best season. He, he's getting close to min price. So he's, he's a steal on DraftKings. So in his last appearance, this is, this is another fun with numbers. In his last appearance, it was in relief. He threw 115 pitches. <laughs> yeah, it's- for Jordan Laz. Now, what happened? Well, one of the three, Luis Garcias, who is in the league right now, uh, did not record an out as the opener. That would be the Texas Luis Garcia, who actually has been in the league longer than the other two Luis Garcias. And at least he does, is one of the two that has his own picture. The Luis Garcia for Houston actually has the Luis Garcia of Washington's picture on his DraftKings player page. So... It's- there we go. I'm, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at Lyle's numbers right now. He had a very impressive start. Where uh, three of three of five outings, uh, negative fantasy points. So that's that's always nice when when somebody it's like ah his last handful of starts he's actually been more likely to score negative fantasy points than positive fantasy points. As for his upside this year, he has scored uh, over 10.1 fantasy points once. That is painful. So we're we're we're. Uh... We've talked four pitchers. We're looking at two, well, one and a half now. Maybe, maybe, maybe Urias is back in the conversation after realizing we're running out of guys and we've got uh, just Framber Valdez. Moving to our other 710 game again. What's, uh, what's oldest new? I should do breakfast for dinner today because if we're going from back, back to front, why not? Cleveland at Detroit. We've got the Beebs, and Greg has already announced on this show he is a believer. Uh, he has been phenomenal this season. All jokes aside, already has 102 strikeouts in 64 innings. Just absolutely nails. He has a 1.5 ERA, less than a, than a base runner per inning. There's just there, We can't throw enough superlatives his way. On the other side, you have youngster Casey... Mize, who, let's see, has gone 76, 83, 67, 76, and 73 pitches in his outings. Not really showing a lot. Uh, He's only given up a couple home runs, but really nothing to speak of on the strikeouts. Uh, Well, I guess they are. 21 in 20 innings, but the eight walks is pretty painful. Three total home runs, not great. 13 runs allowed. He's just kind of middling. But again, you know, he skipped a level, as most of the, the rookies have this year. Uh, they didn't get that extra seasoning there in AAA, so they're just sort of being tossed to the wolves. So I'm not really a fan of his. But the Beebs, 10900 This feels like a $12,000 pitcher right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the other thing, too, we, we've seen this year is they've really nerfed the starting pitching pricing. We used to see guys who, if they were going really well, like Chris Sale a couple of years ago, they got over 14000 price tag, and that just doesn't exist anymore. I mean, we saw... We saw for Wednesday night, Garrett Cole was below 10,000. And even if he's not having, you know, Garrett Cole traditional type season, he's still been really good this year. Not somebody who justifies being priced under 10,000. So Bieber, 10,900. He averages 32.1 DraftKings points this year, 1.53 RA. Something would have to go horribly wrong for him to not win the Cy Young at this point in the season. And then you look at the matchup against the Tigers, 84 WRC plus against right-handed pitching, 27.7% strikeout rate. So they strike out more against righties than any other pitcher in the league. You put all it together. Shane Bieber, very easily the number one overall pitcher on the slate. Uh, I'm, I'm going to expect his ownership is going to be like 70% or something ridiculous like that, but for good reason. And I think it's pretty hard to justify not having Bieber in most of your lineups. All right. Anything you want to mention here on Casey 
Miz. Feels like it's sorry, Casey Mize. Feels like it's a five to ten percenter even on this type of slate. Like there's just doesn't seem to be anything really redeeming about him in this matchup. Uh, I would say, well, I mean, the one thing redeeming about him is that the Indians have kind of disappointed this year, particularly on offense. Uh, I'm trying Cleveland, to find their strikeouts here. Uh, Cleveland, 24.1% strikeout rate against right-handed pitching and 87 WRC+. Plus. Uh, Casey Mize, if you want to pull out one positive from what's overall been a pretty terrible rookie year for uh, one of the top overall pitching prospects, he is striking out 9.45 hitters per nine innings. So that's the one thing I would take away and say, like, hey, there's a little bit of strikeout upside. This is a, an offense that's disappointed. Uh, Mize was okay in his last start. Uh, he went five and a third innings with five strikeouts, two runs against the White Sox, scored 16.2 fantasy points. So I, I would look at that and say, hey, Mize coming off the best outing he's had so far in a tough matchup against the White Sox, has a much easier matchup this time against the Indians. And you always wonder with one of these young pitchers, it's really good, you know, when they might put it together. Like think about Lucas Giolito for all those years. Remember where Giolito had so much promise as a prospect and he was just so terrible when he first got called up. Like there was, it, it was like free money stacking against Giolito for, for a while in the big leagues. And then all of a sudden it wasn't where it went the other way, where Giolito became one of the top pitchers in baseball. And, you know, we never know that something like that could happen with Maz. And on a small slate, I think at his price tag, he's okay to take some shots on uh, at the same, at the same time. I, I also want to get some exposure to the Indians offense because Mize has been so inconsistent this year so I think it's a it's a good GPP game to play both sides of all right Aaron Nola up next I'll let you cover him he has been putting it clocking an outstanding year 77 strikeouts in 56 innings Seth Lugos the guy I'm going to be looking to I'm sure with the masses as my SP2 this will be the third time he has faced uh Philadelphia just one start against them six and he was an opener in that one so six in the third total innings against them but in his last uh two appearances 91 pitches 81 pitches so he's reasonably stretched out to go 85 90 95 I feel that's relatively comfortable for me at 7100 reminder that uh Real Muto and uh Jay Bruce and Reese Hoskins are dinged up slash out uh, of that trio so pretty watered down philly lineup that gets me there how do you feel about lugo and then uh, compare nola to to the beebs yeah so i actually was pretty surprised when i look at lugo's recent pitch counts because i just saw him on the slate i was like oh lugo at 7100 for a guy who doesn't throw very many pitches that's uh pretty steep but then you look at at the pitches and like you said he's pretty stretched out i mean 81 and 91 pitches his last two starts so letting him work deep into games i, I think that's reason to have interest in, in Seth Lugo, especially because of all the injuries the Phillies are dealing with, as is the Phillies not a great offense against right-handed pitching. Um, 98 WRC plus against righty. So it, it's not that they're terrible, but it's just not as good as you would have expected coming in. I think coming into the season, we would have thought, you know, Philly's pretty comfortably top 10, top eight offense. And instead they're just middle of the road. So Seth Lugo, I think makes sense against like you call it a watered down Phillies lineup. As for our Nola, I think he's definitely viable at 10,100 against the Mets, averaging 27 DraftKings points per game this year, uh, coming off a really strong start against the Marlins. The one concern is that the Mets do have the best offense in baseball against righties, 129 WRC+. plus. So for that reason, I'd rather make the space to uh, get up to the extra $800 to go to Bieber over Nola. Uh, I'll have exposure to both of them, just significantly more exposure to Bieber. All right, we're cruising along here. Two to go. 
Two more 705 starts. That's right. We went back to front today just to have a little bit of fun. We've got a couple of relief pitchers going against each other here, according to DraftKings. Dakota Hudson, who, um, oh gosh, has not made a relief appearance yet this season. Somehow is tagged as a relief reliever. Uh, 94, 102, 95 uh, were his pitches in his last four. I never know what to do with him. So he came in beginning of his career with a pretty heavy ground ball lean. He's had a little bit of issue with some power uh, allowed this year. Strikeouts have kind of been down. He's had a couple of, of got got blowed up performances, but it's still at the end of the day at 2.92 ERA. This is pretty uh, interesting, particularly against Pittsburgh. And then on the other side, you have Stephen Brault, who is kind of interesting at 5,900. This is a pitch per dollar play. 97 96 in his last two starts he's 5900 i'm not overly worried about uh the cardinals and we got to play two pitchers on DraftKings. Yeah. and there's a game in course do we really want to fork over the money for for someone like nola and biebs probably not so that means brault's going to be in the conversation here what do you want to do with these uh enig enigmatic pitchers these mysteries shrouded in an enigma wrapped inside of a riddle so starting with Dakota Hudson, uh, not only has he not made a relief appearance this year, uh, he made 33 appearances last year. 32 of them were starts. So where the relief pitcher tag comes from on DraftKings, I have no clue. That's he borrowed it from Daniel Hudson. I'm telling you, that's what it has to be. It, it could be. It could. It could have been. It could have been a mix up in the in the player ID system. Uh, the other the other thing with Hudson, he he's due for aggression because if you look at his ERA this year, like you mentioned, 2.92 ERA is is pretty solid but a 4.42 FIP and a 4.18 X FIP. So what is going right for him? Well, he has a 194 BABIP and that is unsustainably low. So going forward, that should go up. Although with that said, we're also uh, only two weeks left in the season. So he's just going to finish having a very lucky year unless, unless he just has one game where he totally gets blown up and gives up 10 runs or something like that. Uh, with all that considered, I, I don't really have interest in Dakota Hudson at 8,200. I'd rather roster uh, Framber Valdez, I'd rather roster Nola, Bieber if I'm paying up for a pitcher. That's the other issue with Hudson, also at 8,200 with, um, with his limited strikeout upside and looking like the regression monster should come for him soon. The price tag is just a little bit too steep. With Steven Brault, I, I agree with you. I think if you just look at his numbers, it's hard to make a case for him, but he's a $5,900 starting pitcher on DraftKings where you need an SP2. Earlier in the season, pitch count was a massive issue for Brault. 96 and 97 pitches in his last two starts. So just given the price tag, I think he's fine to get a little bit of exposure to if you really need to save salary. All right. What? So God, Hudson still has a 57 ground ball percentage this year. I thought it had gone down. And what's really crazy too, is that typically it's fly ball pitchers who have lower BABIPs and it's ground ball pitchers who have higher BABIPs just because fly balls, if they're put in play, generally tend to lead to more outs. So it really doesn't make sense how, crazy his babbit is yeah it was 57 percent last year as well interesting so okay i will i stand corrected i i thought it would had come up a little bit this year but no and it was 60 it was 62 his for his, back in 2018 but he only faced 100 batters 100 all right um sort of solved that one yeah Kind of a whole lot of, yeesh. we can kind of see how teams are going to build themselves. <laughs> so if you're willing to embrace, and you should in baseball, particularly in 2020, some variance, some risk with your pitchers, you'll get enough differentiation, it looks like, against the field that if uh, things go sideways for any of the good pitchers, or you happen to luck into lightning in a bottle and get you know one of those 15-run performances from your random stack that people aren't on, 
you will do quite well. Um, our opening matchup here, which is going to finish us off, is Masahiro Tanaka, who is going to take on the Blue Jays. He has not yet faced them this season. 91, 95, 88 pitches in his last three starts. He has allowed six home runs. That should be no surprise for us because that's what Masahiro Tanaka does um, But in, in 37 innings. But he's also got a decent, uh, nearly a strikeout per inning. Uh, and at 7,800, that's uh, somewhat intriguing. Chase Anderson, going to be playing with fire here, going against the Yankees who scored 20 runs on Tuesday. They have... Uh, 11 runs so far in the seventh inning on Wednesday. They've played at 11. My wraparound stack kind of would have worked. I, I said not to do it because I didn't really like Kyle Higashikoa. I'm not Kyle Higgy. He has two home runs. Two home runs uh, off of Tanner Roark, one, and off of Wagsback. Wow. Sorry, uh, Toronto fans. This is just like you lose the Raptors, and now you got to watch this pitching staff. Uh, this pitching staff, which on Thursday will include Chase Anderson. Anderson, a whole lot of Mia. Used to be kind of a reverse splits guy, a little worse against righties, which same-handed pitchers. That's what we usually see the opposite. Handed uh, hitters do well against pitchers. That's what we call the platoon advantage. But against the Yankees, they've got power all over the place. I'm not seeing anything intriguing here from Anderson at all, even with $7,500 price point. Uh, finish this up with our first game of the night. This is kind of fun doing it this way. <laughs> so the uh, the other reason I don't really like Daniel Hudson or uh, Dakota Hudson is because I think that Tanaka for $400 less makes for a better play. Uh, there's more strikeout upside in Tanaka. There is chance that maybe he gets blown up, but I mean, he's pitched relatively well throughout his time in the big leagues. Uh, 3.16 ERA, 4.04 FIP this season. Uh, like you said, striking out about a hitter per inning, and you just compare the strikeout upside to Tanaka to the strikeout upside of Hudson. I think it makes more sense to go to Tanaka for a little bit of salary savings. As for the offenses, uh, it's it's hard to ignore the Yankees' offense. Not only hitting really well right now, but they're also finally getting healthy. Aaron Judge is off the injured list. Giancarlo Stanton's off the injured list, and you put all that together, and you you have to think that they're getting healthy at the right time and ready to make a playoff push. All right. That's going to wrap her up for us. Sort of a straightforward uh, whole lot of mess. We, of course, will have the baseball strategy show on Thursday morning. We will have uh, the NFL strategy show Thursday morning. There's going to be NBA Live before lock. There will be MLB Live before lock. And there will be, wait for it, NFL Live before lock. Thursday is going to be very exciting. Do not forget to set your lineups there for the U.S. Open. You've got uh, promo code BOGEY, B-O-G-E-Y. gets you a $4.50 one-week package for PGA. That's half off. And like I've mentioned twice now, you can get 10 different DK slates with those uh, golf projections there. Well worth it. Well worth it. Any final thoughts before we get on out of here, Greg? Uh, no, I mean, just, uh, once again, I hope my pitchers don't get hurt tomorrow. <laughs> that would be, <laughs> that, that would be, that would be a nice change of pace. Um, which part of the variance of baseball, that is one of the things that happens. It's always, it's always funny when it's the, like the second inning of one of the first games of slate. And it's like, I should look at tomorrow's pricing. All right. And with that gamers, good luck.